Yeah, I think I've shifted. I, I've, I've shifted. I think I, I now am more vocal and most certainly more reflective around issues of land, uh, land ownership, um, you know, the ownership of any form of means of production. Welcome to episode 6 of season 2. My name is Dumelo Biani and today on the show I'm joined by Sam Bainon. Sam is a social justice activist who was part of SABC One's One Day Leader. We had a chat about her non-partisan approach to activism and her life since stepping away from public service duties to continue her studies. Enjoy the episode. Today on the show, we have Sam Bagnon. I'm not sure whether I'm pronouncing the, the, the surname correct, but Sam, welcome to the show. Awesome. No, you're not, but awesome. Thank you for having me. I feel so blessed to, to be on the platform. <laughs> yeah, this one has been a long time in the making on my side. Uh, season one, I missed it because I wasn't brave enough to ask people who I really want to get the best info out of them. So I was like, okay, let me wait until season two, then I can ask her again. And luckily you said yes. So thank you again for joining me. Wow. No, I'm humbled. And I, I think that, I, I mean, I did some research into the platform once I got the invite and I'm, I must commend you and whoever perhaps in the background might be as to see you, if anyone, because uh, we are... <laughs> but if it's just you, big up, man, I, I think it's great. I think what you're doing is great. So yeah, I'm so yeah. humbled and blessed to be here. Thank you. You know, we, we are a one-man team here at Remove, but um, there are people who right. get to share ideas <laughs> with me and suggestions here and there, but most of the work is just one man trying to get the show going. So, yeah, just to, to kick it off, uh, Sam, I'd ask... Um, you how are you doing and um i i know that the pandemic is not everyone's favorite uh topic but how have you been doing in this time yeah um sure i mean yeah it's not everyone's favorite question um but i think it's an important one i think um i think i struggled as as an individual, I think I struggled in the beginning. I think mm. I've somewhat become accustomed to this new normal that everyone terms it now. Um, but I think during the initial stages, so during hard lockdown, I was, I think, just as someone who's quite social. Um, yeah, I felt that isolation, hey? Um, but I think at the same time, Lockdown has also really afforded some of us, you know, the privilege, and we can talk a little about, bit about that, you know, privilege and inequality in the context of the pandemic. Mm. But for some of us, you know, it did afford us, you know, an opportunity to kind of introspect and, you know, see where we're at in, in all facets of life, you know, all areas of life. So I, I do, I am thankful for that 
you know, that consequence as such of the pandemic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, man, I am one to be out there. So yeah, I miss the people, man. I miss the, the in-person engagement. Yeah. But different strokes, eh? Different strokes. For real. I mean, <laughs> I did say that it did like make people ask themselves what exactly do they want to do with their lives? And they had the time with no pressure to, to, to kind of, um, uh, review what they've been doing and if they want to continue doing things the same way. And in a sense, I wanted to ask you how it has changed the space of um, activism on social media because it was more or less the, now, the only option that people had. People couldn't go on the streets and pro protest or fight against certain things that they find are um, not fair. So how, how has that changed since the pandemic where it was the main platform for, for most uh, activists? I think that's a great question because you know you you contextualize contextualize it. Hey, it's long way and Peter. But um yeah, I think you contextualize it so well. I mean, if you go back to last year, I mean, of course, I'm speaking now in the context of SA. Mm. But I mean, if we go back to the end of March into April last year where we were on a alert level five national lockdown. Um, that was the only, you know, space you could kind of, you know, express yourself on. But at the same time, I think in the context of activism, I'm not quite sure um, if, and again, I come to this idea around, you know, equality or inequality, because we know that in the context of SA, you know, access to data, access to uh, tech um, is, is, is unfortunately not, you know, uh, freely available to everyone. Mm -hmm. So even when we talk about activism online, whose activism are we talking about online, you know? Um, is it in fact people who have access uh, with some form of privilege who are actually speaking on behalf of the most marginalized people in society. Yeah. So I think online activism is, 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 of course, a fantastic way to express ourselves and um, to also control narrative as activists because um, it's, it's, it's separate from media, you know, your traditional media platforms, and I'm by no means attacking media. But I'm just pointing out that that's the one place where we as the people get to express ourselves. But I think at the same time, um, it also requires us to think a little bit more critically, you know, as to how we speak on what we're speaking, on whose behalf of we are speaking on. Because, you know, the same people we're speaking about or on behalf of and with good intention are the same people that perhaps we are part of the system that uh, you know, excludes and mm. uh, social media, data, tech. I mean, that's one of the ways people still get marginalized and excluded, even though they shouldn't be. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm going back to into it, but I think it is such a great, yeah, you're spot on. I, yeah, I think social media was the space for us to try and, you know, <laughs> activate. Because yeah. what I'm thinking now is sometimes the issues that get raised there, it's really speaking on behalf of people who are not part of the conversation, 
and exactly. speaking to people who I'm asking myself if the leaders are actually there to listen and respond because it's mm. not all the time that the people we want to send the message to are also there. Like the people who could make changes sure. are sometimes also also not on social media because they're either too old or find social media is not their space. So, so in a context of my country, social media is a good thing, but it mm. it has a certain demographic that is just the middle part. It's not the people who are experiencing most of the inequalities and it's not the people mm. who have the power to change. It's just the middle people who see everything from both sides and would like to connect the two, but maybe not always the right space, but better than not saying anything at all. So it is still a platform <laughs> to be used. <laughs> no, I mean, that analysis is spot on. I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, but then again, I guess, you know, we'd argue, we as in those who are on those platforms would argue, well, at least we are trying to use the space, mm. you know, for the cause. But again, I mean, it's just filled with contradictions. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're, we're wanting, right? If yeah. we're wanting to create a... Uh, a culture of inclusion, you know, we, we can't then use tools that systematically erase other people's voices and exclude other people, as you say, from the conversation. Because, I mean, if you look at, for example, Twitter, um, one of the most vibrant platforms, I think, in the context of essays specifically, a lot of narrative, a lot of discussion, dialogue around very sensitive um, and I suppose to some people controversial issues, mm. but again, how many people are actually on the platform? And I mean, even on, even on that, if I use Twitter, we've got some ministers who are quite active I, <laughs> on, on the platform. I know um, with you. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, sure, something for us as young activists, you know, different spaces to think about. You know, I also wanted to just quickly like just throw it out there a lot of you know since the the pandemic its inception a lot of institutions private and public are now instituting all kinds of social media policies mm. you know and i think it's because there are ways in the organization are now more active online because of the climate so i think social media is very powerful in the sense that it's the one place that's not I know debatable, I was going to say not controlled, but now I'm thinking about Facebook and how it uses our data. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, to a certain degree, we have a little bit of freedom. Yeah, yeah. a little bit of freedom. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> I know that I always try to start the, 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 the episodes with like the heart of, um, or what I find that the person I'm interviewing will be more interested in, but I always like to take it back and be like, okay, someone who has listened to this first part and still doesn't know who Sam is, how would you maybe introduce yourself and let them know who you are? Because right now they're like, okay, this is someone who's opinionated and someone who's an activist, activist but who exactly are they and what do they do? So a little bit of that could help bring context and what we've just spoken about right now. Oh, tough one, tough one, because I, I'm multifaceted, uh, and I think that's that's how I would probably describe myself, because um, yes, I'm an activist, but I'm also an, you know, an academic, um, I'm also a writer, you know, I'm also 
you know, into performing arts. I was on television, you know, took a break from it for my own reasons. Mm. Um, engaged in politics, then left the space of partisan politics. But I would say, yeah, just a, I, I think I'm just a, a young woman from rural parts of the East thinking, uh, trying to, as Zosie uh, would say, you know, take up space. And I think I'm just really interested in how we reimagine spaces so that they're more inclusive and they are more representative, um, you know, of the people, the different people in South Africa. And I think what is the African continent and, and globally as well. So I'm just really interested in, irrespective of where young people find themselves, whether it's in a corporate environment, you know, in an academic environment, it's you know, it's it doesn't matter, you know, where you locate yourself, but I'm just interested in you and, you know, whether you find expression um, and whether you feel represented and included or not in that space, in whatever field it is, you know, you're in. Um, so that's, I think, what I'm about. Uh, yeah, just uh, people's person, man. I'm all about the people. <laughs> yeah, that is... Not very... always get it right, but yeah, <laughs> I'm all about the people. <laughs> that, yeah. that is very true because how I got introduced to you was also through... Um, leadership which is something that you you really like um have expressed yourself either when you were on um on tv on the one day the leadership um uh, the program itself and uh, what i wanted to ask you in terms of leadership was um like we've seen how um inclusion and also making sure that we we promote um leadership of of women in big spaces has changed scenes in terms of uh in corporate and in in politics as well as to how do you think um changing who leads the people has an impact in how the people kind of responds to uh, respond to leadership because when it comes to like things like elections and so forth certain people even young ones are not even interested because they're thinking well it's going to be the same people who end up in the same spaces doing the same things but once you know, oh, a young person or a young woman is in leadership, there's a little bit of change of, okay, cool, maybe there's potential for, for something different to happen. Like in terms of that, how do you see leadership as a tool for change, so to say? Um, sure, this is brilliant. Uh, you're getting me to think. And I think that's my point of departure. I think uh, young people need to spend um, more time I think as individuals, and I think together as a collective, we really need to spend more time critically applying ourselves and our minds around this question of leadership. Because the system we've inherited, I think in the context of SA again, mm. is, um, you know, of a partisan, you know, political party nature. That's the, that's the you know, democratic system we've kind of inherited. And I think now, more recently, the 2021 local government elections, I think there's like a, you know, a shift in terms of dialogue around, you know, um, political parties, uh, or hey, what about social movements, or hey, what about even independent candidates, 
in the future, you know. Mm. Um, so I think we're starting to have dialogue about what could the future look like if we reimagined it. But I think where the challenge is, is around culture and culture, not in terms of your ethnicity or your identity, but in terms of what's normalized in society. Mm. Our culture is you either vote or you don't vote, you know, and if you don't vote, you're of a specific view, you know, um, and that's not to take anything away from you. I think, by the way, I, I also wanted to say, not voting, I, I actually don't agree with the idea or argument that, you know, not voting is backward or it's, you know, lazy or whatever. Not voting is actually a form of demonstration. It is actually a very well-informed decision. It's a boycott. You know? It's a way, exactly, exactly. It's actually something that, you know, an individual or a group has actually applied their minds on and said, you know what, as you, as you said so just now, um, mm, if I vote this way, this is the potential outcome. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that, you know, moving forward. So it's actually an act of, of defiance, you know. Mm. Um, it's not what, you know, mainstream is kind of, you know, if not media, then, you know, analysts with the utmost of respect, um, but they shouldn't take it badly because that is what analysts and, and, and academia is about. It's the contestation of ideas. But I believe a lot of them have sold this, this traditional idea of, you know, when you don't vote, who needs this or it translates into this. But I think, yeah, man, leadership for me, I think we also just lastly need to move away from this idea that, you know, you can only lead if you're in parliament. You can only lead if you're a councillor in a local municipality or district or metro municipality. That's mm. actually not the case. We really need Abuzozi to be multiplied <laughs> um, in different fields, in different sectors, in different spaces. Like we need to see you on this platform the same way we need to see or see poor you know, um, leading engineering, you know, and we need to see who see a leading rugby, you know. Yes. Um, leadership is, it really can manifest itself anyway and in any form. That's that's what I think I'm trying to draw from. Yeah, it doesn't have to be in these traditional institutions and spaces. Yeah. And lastly, I think, I think, uh, yeah, a tricky one. I think uh, there around 2024, because we've, we've just had a local government election, but the last national and provincial elections were in 2019. Mm -hmm. That's where we saw a lot of youngsters come into parliament from across the different parties. Mm -hmm. And I think the question now in 2024 will be, as young people, what did you do for fellow young people in your five-year um, term of public office? That, in other words, and I want to ask a very hard question <laughs> for all of us to think about. Yeah. Does representation, like in its practical form, does it translate into real change and transformation? So when we put young people in parliament, does that necessarily mean policies will change for the young people or laws will change for mm. them or budgets will go to development you know those are the things in other words when young people are in those spaces because my experience has been 
young people can be deployed into those spaces, but rendered quite useless at the same time yeah. by, um, you know, a collective of, and I don't want to be ageist, but more uh, senior <laughs> politicians. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> shy away from the fact that yeah. There's like I if if it's called ageism, I I am guilty because I have seen it in practicals where I had to do internships in some of these um governmental oh. institutions, and I've realized how mm. I'm not saying old people are holding us back, but they're not open to new ideas, and therefore some of these young people can't really even express what they bring, or they bring something to the table. It's like yeah, but in the last thirty years we've been doing things like this, and you're like. Yeah, how are we supposed to move forward if we're still basing everything exactly. on the last 30 years? So in that sense, it's something that's really, really close to my heart and I can I will mm, forever express I can that. <laughs> I will forever express that um if we if we could all be different ages and be open to good ideas, then it's not a problem. But there's times where it's like, yeah, but you're coming here, it's you don't even have experience. So how can we trust your ideas? You know, that's why you bring young people into the picture so that they can tell you how things are now. Yeah, but... So they can innovate, yes, innovate. And also this idea of, you know, you need to to earn your your, your spot. You know, you need to... Okay, in politics, there's this phrase of you you need to wait your turn in the queue, right? Um, And it's such a problematic... I I think, you know, way of thinking... Um, because why not just strike a balance between have some folk who've been in the system, so who have institutional knowledge and mm. memory, and have a group of youngsters who come and innovate and bring a drive that as people of age you no longer have, you know, and bring the energy and, as you say, contextualize better, because things change, like things literally change especially in the context of leadership and politics. I mean, a day, just one day, 24 hours in politics is yes. very long. Yeah. Anything can happen. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it it is very, um, like, I understand even us as young people are afraid of changes. And I can assume you come into an ex- uh, institution as a young person and you're suggesting things that, sound like you're saying how they're doing things is wrong. It, it could be a defensive mechanism from everyone to say, okay, no, uh, we're not going to do this. And like talking about changes, this leads me to your TEDx talk, which was titled, was it uh, Choices, Changes and Chances or something like, like that? Yes, you got it right. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> the it's, three Cs. The yeah. three Cs. And, <laughs> and I know that in... Like in a in a country like ours, um, speaking about and, and saying people have a choice when it comes to 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 leading their lives and reaching their dreams, it's it's very it's a sensitive topic in the sense that some people will start bringing up the other aspects that add to why we're not starting on the same level. But when I listen to the talk, I realize that this is on a broad ba- basis and into a sense that if you don't have anything. What are you doing to at least get yourself one step closer? And I found it to be, to be a talk that's very, the length was very good because um, attention span these days. And um, and I I really wanted to ask you when 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 you made the talk, 
has anything changed from 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 then to now like do you still believe and stand behind those values or is there something that you've experienced and be like okay maybe things are different like are you still standing behind those three c's as they are till this day sure <laughs> yeah no you're making me think now uh, you're making me reflect i i actually as before you asked the question as you were talking I was like, wow, if only he knew that I've shifted a little bit since that talk. Um, and a little bit, I think, is, is also I'm being quite diplomatic. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, my politics has, has shifted um, significantly since then. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it's also what informed my, my own resignation as a public rep in 2019, because I did that talk. I, I think in 2017, yeah. somewhere around there, 17, 18. And it's not by any means to say, you know, I don't subscribe to those principles or values. I think I, 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 I these days try to find a better balance between, you know, individual responsibility versus understanding the historical context mm -hmm. because history matters, you know. Um, for example, it wouldn't be easy for, you know, uh, for example, I'm making I mean, a wild, wild example, but yeah. I'm really trying to like, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, anywhere, in fact, you know, it wouldn't be easy for Utum to come out of, you know, a particular set of historical circumstances not circumstances that Udomi created for himself or herself, but that were imposed on him or her. So, or they, because I'm sorry to be inclusive. Um, so, yeah, I think I've shifted. I've, I've shifted. I think I, I now am more vocal and more certainly more reflective around issues of land, uh, land ownership, um, you know, the ownership of any form of means of production. Um, in other words, I, I, I think I'm more vocal than I was back then um, about systems and how systems exclude and erase and marginalize. But I still maintain, I think as someone, I mean, I'll use gender as an example. So I wouldn't be marginalized racially as a young white South African, but I would be marginalized as a young woman, right? In a, mm. what is a patriarchal society. Mm. But I can't, I think to a certain degree, and I'm really like highlighting that certain degree, because again, I can't denounce what the system does, how it imposes, you know, certain disadvantages, the, the patriarchal system that is onto me. But I still believe that part of your response does lie with you as an individual to take yourself out of you know, um, those circumstances. But again, that by no means that the system has to change. The system of growth and I think that's the problem. It hasn't changed um, since the inception of democracy. I mean, that's just a fact. So yeah, I think what I'm trying to get at is these days I probably find a better balance and I don't just solely focus on the individual. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I was like, the thing is we, we as, as um, a society, 
would like we understand that people grow but when they change their opinion or when they they review their opinions about certain things we feel like they're swinging and not not sticking to one thing meanwhile i'm like 10 years ago i'm not the same person as now and therefore i can't defend everything i used to do there and i can't use it as an excuse that yeah i was young no that's not the thing it's it's mainly okay i have experienced more life than than then and therefore i have a different perspective towards the same things and and as i said for me i found it at this particular point in my life it speaks to me and what what i can actually do where i am but had i listened to the talk when it came out i would have also probably found it like yeah but it doesn't apply to me so so yeah it's it's just a matter of growth and accepting that no, um, sure. grow. yeah no i mean people evolve and it's also okay to change your mind guys it's okay to change your mind Thanks. like it's okay to you know have supported something five years ago and now no longer support it you know mm. um and i think slowly but surely at least our generation and i think upcoming generations are starting to realize that that you know i mean we actually saw it now with the elections you know i'll use some of the celebs as the example who who changed the <laughs> who changed um i don't want to say they changed affiliation but they at least changed um you know who they publicly endorsed you know i'll use yeah. my favorite uzahara as an example you know we know that a couple of years back you know he was very pro green black and gold Mm -hmm. um, but in this election, we saw her at a red rally, you know, and she came out and said, no, my, my beliefs have shifted, or if not my beliefs, my views on things as they are now versus back then have shifted. And the question was why? And, you know, one of the answers was, aside from experience, I've just evolved as a person. Exactly. I'm no longer relate to that or I no longer subscribe to that. And I think we need to rid ourselves of guilt uh, when we undergo that, you know. Um, yeah, I just hope I never evolve to a point of going back to certain um, <laughs> <laughs> other ways of thinking. Yeah, I think when yeah. you need to evolve, it should be for the better. Um, it should be to improve yourself, but also improve your understanding of the realities and experiences of other people. Outside yeah. of your own, yeah. Nicely oh, said. Oh, that was great. Great point. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you bring up now the the like you brought up celebrities in Sahara in, in particular, and and that 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 is something that I've always known and seen from you. How proudly South African you are, and how how like arts and culture and perf performing arts kind of like you not only influence you but to a point you are fully supporting them and one of your favorite artists being a hip-hop artist from my hometown or empty is, is one of those things where like i didn't see the connection but it makes sense like so the question here would be like how how is like how is it um kind of like supporting an artist at their lowest and also getting them to like when they respond and show that they appreciate that how does that make you feel because at those times is when um, I know that I left out a little bit of context for the listeners, but you definitely know at times where all the, the, the support shifts from one, one artist because of what the media says about them, 
you still stick by them, especially those who are, who, who have seen like with MT or Nati and so forth, that you were really behind them and they responded quite well and they are now back on their feet. Like how, how is it supporting someone through that phase? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's humbling. It's humbling. I think, you know, as someone, I think it's for different reasons. Hey? Um, you know, I was in the media space at a very young age. And I, you know, some people have even asked me, you know, why aren't you back there? You know, you need to, you need to come back. You need to contribute, you know, create a bit of content. Mm. And I often tell them that, you know, I started too young. Like, I started too young. I mean, I went, I mean, and that is why I just have the utmost respect for some of the, both men and women, uh, not just women, although we are a bit biased as, as a gender activist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, your, your bonans, your minis, you know, um, I know that they are now youngsters up and coming, your gamos and your, you know, other, other uncle, this one and all of that. Mm. Um, but I, I think the fact that they've just managed the, the oldest, I don't want to call them old school because they're still young, True. but just, you know, in terms of media things, you know, you get new guys on the block all the time. But in terms of your, you know, your polans, your minis, I... I have so much respect for how they've managed long haul, you know, the long haul, because that industry is brutal. <laughs> it is brutal. Um, it doesn't matter whether it is, you know, you emceeing, you presenting on TV, you rapping, uh, you, you know, podcasting, as we've seen now with Matty, mm. you know, um, or maybe yourself, <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't matter what form the performing art takes. For so long as you are in that industry and that space, you are going to battle. You are going to battle what is quite a brutal culture. And how I connect it is that type of culture, um, you know, is very similar to political culture. <laughs> Very similar. I mean, and, and for those who are, you know, art inclined, art is politics and politics is art. Um, you know, both breathe life into our lived experiences um, as individuals and also as individuals who belong to broader communities, you know, who are members of the communities. So I think for me, that's the first connection. And the second connection is, I just um, appreciate uh, Brother MT's um, content. I think that, you know, for me, the artists who have managed to be successful, then, you know, I don't want to say spiral out of control. That is what media would probably yeah, say. Yeah, that's, that's the choice of words. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, if I, I mean, again, that is how brutal it is. Because that would be the choice of words, you know. Um, but but the guys who you know, they they just they get that one big hit, you know. For empty, we know it was it was roll up, it was yeah. you know, it was pearl juicy. Um, and then next thing things things don't work out, and then next thing come back, you know. I think for me that is a reflection of what. Um, many South Africans go 
respected communities and spaces, but it's also a reflection of what South Africans are capable of. You know, it is possible for you to come out of the darkest and deepest hole and make your mark, you know. And I, I think that's why, for me, his story is always related. But lastly, I mean, I'm also just an easy home girl. So anyone from from my province, uh, I've got to push. I've got to push. Um, yeah. And I think anyone, anyone specifically from, you know, more rural-based provinces. I hate to refer to you know to them in that way, but it is what it is. You know, yeah, so yeah. your guys from Limpopo, your guys from East, your guys from Northern Cape. You know, they need the biggest nudges because you know the centers are in Cape Town and Joburg. That's, that's where most of them have to go, you know, for the big break. So, yeah, man, uh, that's my whole point. That's my whole point. And yeah. I'll always wait for him, you know. I'll always, yeah, but I'll leave it at that because it hasn't always been easy, especially on the timelines, you know, to explain some of these things. True, yeah. true. Because yeah. yeah. the, the reason I brought that up is that some people really, like, you know how South Africa, when it comes to, 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 to judging things based on race, some people might not understand as to how does a white female South African relate to an MT. And now you just broke it down for us and for those who <laughs> never understood as to why. Because first of all, I, I think first time I ever saw you were speaking closer. So I knew that at least you understand what he's saying. It's not just you jumping because there's a hype or whatever. And I know that for you, it's always deeper than just what it seems like. And now with the context of how these people are really, when you said that what they're going through in the industry is what a regular South African goes through. Maybe like, you know, your, your graduated unemployed people where like they had their graduation, they were at the top of the mm-hmm. world and then suddenly they're at home mm-hmm. sitting doing nothing. Those type mm-hmm. of things are what M- MT kind of went through, but in a different uh, context. Yeah, I mean, there's so many examples. Um, you know, being homeless. You're talking about a guy who, who left my daddy and went to Joburg, had no way to stay, decided to stay, you know, in one of those abandoned buildings in mm. Joburg. Um, you know, you're talking about someone who, you know, at times didn't eat for a couple of days. You know, you're talking about someone has been a victim of crime. You know, these are all the things that different South Africans relate to. So, but also, yeah, just a lyrical genius, I think, in he terms of hip hop. He's good. We've got to give credit where it's due. <laughs> He's good. Uh, there, are quite a, there are quite a few guys that, you know, I follow, uh, Abu Maraza, you know. Um, yeah, I could give a list, but for me, uh, MT, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And I mean, this last yeah. point is going to be a slight shift from our previous topic, but when we were talking about the ups and downs of um of people in general in South Africa, I don't know if you still remember how you changed my entire life. I'm going to put the story to you and say, years like 2012, I'm about to do my second year. Uh, silly me, I thought I really submitted my Nesfus, um, uh application the previous year. When I get there the following year before registration, it's nowhere to be found. Get the, I get to the counter, 
there's a Sam sitting there um, asking me, okay, what's the problem? I explain everything and I show you my academic records and be like, there's no way this young man can continue with these type of results and everything. You started going to the back, speaking to people, bringing certain people to the front who are like um, of a higher position than you. And then suddenly I got my funding of which I don't know if I would have had to drop out of my second year had you not been there and pushing beyond because that you went beyond bureaucracy because if it was according to bureaucracy, it's like you can't find your thing. It means you didn't submit it. That's it. Until this day, I'll forever be thankful that this one qualification I have, you had a play a role to play even though for you it was just another day at work. For me, it was a life-changing experience of had this person not fought for me without knowing me, I don't know how I would have funded my second year or how I would have continued because I then got Nesfus until the end of my studying and having you on this show is like full circle for me. I get to, to thank you in public and say, you did change my life. You might not remember it, but I'm forever thankful for that. Mm, yeah, I'm going to struggle to see <laughs> Yeah, sure. No, I don't have words. Um, all I can say is uh, someone helped me once upon a time. And so I just felt um, and still feel that it's important to pay, pay our truth. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I mean, look at you now. Look at where you're at, you know, the life you've built for yourself and are still building for yourself. Mm. And I mean, this podcast needs to go big, my G. <laughs> It's to go. It's already big. It needs to go bigger. Um, and I mean, I can't wait for the day where you know we see, we see that happen. So, yeah. I mean, I can't speak much about your experience <laughs> that day. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say that's where it comes from. It comes from that heart of you know someone. I mean, I I, I mean the same thought as you. I needed that funding as well. Just a year or so before you. And someone, someone helped me. So that's what we got to do, guys, uh, if we really want to change things, you know, and switch things up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll just stay for a second, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, I was like, I definitely can't, cannot miss a moment to tell you this where everyone is listening. Because even oh, my wife you. and my family knows that there's a certain person who changed, oh, who, who had a... A role to play and they 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 really shifted things and, for me. And since that and day she, I never looked back. And she's who I was referring to at the beginning, by the way, when I said I don't know if you've got you know people behind the scenes rooting you on with the show. But mm. yeah, I mean uh, big up to her and and you know your little one who's now your legacy. True. Um, so yeah man we gotta build guys for each other. And for those who are who are to to still come, like her, by the way, the lighting. So yeah. Yeah. So to 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 wrap things up here on the show, we have a <laughs> rapid fire uh, questions here. I have about ten questions in front of me, and I'd like you to give me five numbers from from one till ten, and I ask you the questions. As I say, usually they're not controversial, but they will make you think. Five from one to ten, please. Okay, so I need to give you how many? Five. Uh, you need to give me five. Yep. At the same time. Um. Yeah. You just give. Oh, me we're gonna five. go one, one, one. No, you can okay. Give me all five, and then I know them. 
Okay, two. <laughs> two. Ten. Ten. Uh, eight. Eight. Uh, one. One, and one more. And five. Five. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna start with question number one. Oh, this one is one of those questions where I included this season and I'm like, I might regret Jeez. it, but I put it out there. <laughs> no, this yeah. is the, it's simple for you, probably. It's like okay. if you could switch roles and you get to interview me, what is that one question you would ask me? You're happy. Uh, I'd ask you if you're happy. Super happy. Oh, that, that is that is a twist. I do like, and it's normally like long questions about how the podcast life in Germany. But I'm glad that you are. Nah, sometimes you've got to go for the jugular mm, and catch mm, you mm. off guard. You know, no. everyone's gonna ask you about the pod, my guy. Mm. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, at, at this particular moment where we, where I am today, I'm I'm really, really happy and grateful. I feel like mm. things could be better, but things are where they have to be, and I can see True. where where things are going. That's I think that is all that has always been a struggle for me. Where I was like, I'm not sure where things are going, but right now I have mm. a feeling of I know where they're going. Therefore, um, like I'm not. Mm. Then the the, pro, the the progress itself or the process itself passed me by where I'm stuck in where is it going? But I know it's going. Yeah. I'm still building, and I mean, yeah. seeing my daughter every day and seeing her grow is also one of those sure. things mm. better. So yeah, I I will definitely say now you might meet me tomorrow or a few weeks from now, and I say you a different thing. But right now, definitely mm. Mm. middle center. You're in the spot. Yeah, 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 yeah true. It's great. That's great. No, I like to go for those jugulars, man, you know, yeah. and catch people off guard. Because I, I just tend to find in platforms the questions are more around, you know, professional stuff and, mm. you know, uh, these critical questions. But sometimes, you know, we just have it's to take a step back. Yeah, it's the simple stuff, right? That, that you find out are not always so simple when you think about it. Mm. But yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad for we here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How fitting. <laughs> so we'll move to question number two. Uh, question number two is what is something that you know now that you wish you would have known about 10 years ago? <laughs> what a question. Um, 10 years back would have been sorry just got to think of context yeah yeah in 2011 it would have been i can't really go into context um but it would have been okay to have gone with the decision i wanted to but didn't go with at the time yeah yeah can't contextualize, but no, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually rapid fire question, so the person who's listening will, will make something out of it and understand it <laughs> 10 years ago. Sure. Yeah. So question sure. number five says, um, okay, if you had a group of mentees, which you've had before, um, mm. and you were seeing them for the last time, what would be your last advice to them? Last time, man. 
Yeah. I think I'd ask him a question, you know, in Polypore. I'd ask him what their legacy would be. What legacy are they going to leave behind? Mm. Yeah, one one of the the answers I've gotten uh, this season of, on this question was someone said they would ask the 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 mentees to forget about them as in them as an individual and just remember mm. the lessons they they did and I found that also Amen. I was Amen. like it's not about yes. Sam as the, the person it's like exactly. I hope you learned something from mm. or some things from me and. I mean the legacy part no cap. that, yeah. No cap. No cap. Yeah. Damn straight. I, I like whoever gave me that answer. Oh, it's someone you know, probably. It's Ukosh Oh, right. The yeah. poet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the poet. Oh, it's deep. No? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brilliant answer. It, yeah. was, it was awesome. And I was like, this I might use in, 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 in the coming mm-hmm. years. Because mentees do tend to follow mentors and not necessarily their lessons. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it happens, yeah. Sometimes. And it's not intentional. Know. It happens, you know. Yeah, when yeah. They now go out into the world and try to be mini yous. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. that's not the, the whole story. It keeps the whole objective. Yeah. yeah. Got you. Sure. So question number eight is... um. Oh yeah, this is like one of those where I was like, what advice did you get previously or recently that you still feel like it applies till this day in your life? Mm. Mm. I did say that will make you think. Yeah. Oh, someone, uh, you know, because I, I, I am also highly spiritual. Um, not religious, highly spiritual. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone said to me, um, Can you mean Uzo Pendulu tip? So um, that can be, you know, interpreted in two ways. Either, you know, one day you will be answered or one day you will have to answer, mm. you know, depending on how it says and you know it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 context yeah, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. it just, just got me thinking that okay, you know, even here on earth, you might naively convince yourself that you are maneuvering something, you know, um, but that might not be the case genuinely when you have to answer about, mm-hmm. and vice versa, you might be in a waiting season. And and be asking yourself, you're guys are being waiting. Yeah. But that's the thing, it's not about your time, it's about a special life. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I I sometimes get lost in when like when 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 the answers are deep and I was trying try to apply them in my own life. At the so, same time as I'm recording, I realize no, 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 now is not the the time. You have to think about this later. <laughs> so, the final question is what do you tell yourself on your least motivated days to get yourself going when it's like on your man how what do you say to yourself to to push yourself um i actually have a different outlook man you know me different kids man Uh, Mm -hmm. i i believe um in exercising self-compassion you know uh, on days where it's just not happening, 
You know, I believe that it's okay to say today wasn't it. Tomorrow the uh, we tomorrow we go. You know, tomorrow we try again. Yeah. So it's not to say like waste anymore, but I, I think the lesson around self compassion is a really important one because I think a lot of us when we when we haven't accomplished something in a day, we feel really guilty. Yeah. We actually spend so much energy and mind and time trying to, you know, process that guilt, <laughs> which only takes us a step backwards, you know. Yeah, so yeah, is. for me it's more it's more self-compassion. Yeah. Self-compassion. Yeah. yeah. I've got easy guys. It's not easy. You not know? at all. Not yeah. At all. Yeah. Ah, I guess that's a beautiful note to end this episode off on. <laughs> Self-compassion is the last thing we speak about. And yeah, mm-hmm. again, as I've said before, very grateful to have had you on the show. And oh, well, I enjoyed you. making this episode more than I hope the listeners also had fun listening to it as well. Yeah, me too. I had a great time. And I am so thankful for the line of questioning. Um, it was not what <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in a great, you know, in a good way. Um, I think it's, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. Like we really, as young people, need to apply ourselves more critically. And these this, these are the nice ways of doing it. You know, it doesn't always have to be the boring academic exercise. You know, yeah. uh, it can just be through fun, but really enlightening. I'm so blessed to be here. And yeah, I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. yeah just don't, don't treat me about empty, guys. <laughs> well, on that yeah. note, I actually wanted to say, where can they find you on the social? No, <laughs> no man, I'm across the social. So, so Twitter, Insta, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. To check in and out, but it's all Sam Bainon or Sam uh, MY, not an I. So, yeah, catch me on the social. <laughs> okay, yeah. take care then, Sam. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you for tuning in, and as usual, please follow and subscribe to the podcast on the platform you're streaming it on. Your reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts help stretch the reach of the show, so I'd appreciate it if you help us grow. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend or family, and to keep up to date with what's coming next, follow us on Instagram at WeMoveXP or use the hashtag WeMoveXP. Till next time.